This is clearly playing, I think, in, for, for, for November 6th of 2018. It's up or down vote on impeachment. Trump is on the ballot in every congressional district. This is not going to be some Democratic congressman versus Republican congressman. This is going to be Donald Trump versus Nancy Pelosi and Tom Steyer. Steve Bannon is tan and back, giving his analysis of the midterms. We're going to get into that with our roundtable right now. We've got our chief White House correspondent, John Carl, here. Sarah Fagan, political affairs director in the Bush White House, now a CNBC contributor. Patrick Gaspard, political affairs director in the Obama White House, also ambassador to South Africa, now the president of the Open Society Foundation. And former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, author of the new book, Trump's America, The Truth About Our Nation's Great Comeback. And Karen Finney is a Democratic strategist, former Clinton campaign spokesperson. And, and, and John, let me begin with you, because there's some evidence this morning the president's watching uh, television this morning. He's echoing one of the, one of the uh, arguments made by Rudy Giuliani that the president should have been told about this investigation into his campaign, should have been told about the investigation into Paul Manafort. That's become a new talking point for his team. Several new talking points, but all of them aim, George, at undermining the credibility of the special counsel. We have gone from the cooperation mode to the attack and vilify mode. The memo that came out from the president's team uh, sounded a little bit like what Richard Nixon told Robert Frost, when the president does it, it's not illegal. Uh, that's part of the argument here, but the, the, the point is the president's legal team believes they did too much by way of cooperation over the past year. They turned over too many documents, allowed too many White House advisors to be interviewed, and that is all stopping. And is it going to hold? Is this strategy going to hold? Look, I think the simple question in the end is, where's the collusion? Matt, you know, Miller was appointed to see whether or not there was collusion with Russia. There is no evidence that Donald Trump had any collusion with Russia. None. Zero. Well, but you conceded what Rudy Giuliani conceded there, though. He doesn't know that Robert Mueller is done with this investigation. I'm, I'm just saying, he ought at least to give us a hint. Does he have any evidence of any kind that the President of the United States was involved with Russia? We're getting obstruction of justice. We're getting all sorts of other things. We're getting 2005 tax issues. Uh, I mean, all sorts of things that don't relate to the reason we thought he was there. You're shaking your head. Well, I'm just thinking about a little something uh, that happened during the Clinton administration where it may have started about cattle futures in Whitewater and we ended up in a very different place. And special prosecutors aren't in the habit of telling you exactly what it is. I mean, when Giuliani was sitting here saying, like, you know, show us the reports, show us, why would they? It is an active investigation, as Dan Abrams pointed out. I think, you know, the point about the Mueller investigation is all of this speculation it, but until we know, we won't know. And when he comes forward and, and puts forward his evidence, then we'll know. But one of the things we've also seen, Sarah Fagan, the president has been quite successful in getting other Republicans, not just his yeah. legal team, other Republicans to echo his arguments. He has. And it's now to the point where I believe the president's base, and including a whole lot of independents in this country, look at this as just another example of how Washington is broken. And that the actual political impact of all this discussion probably politically accrues to the president's benefit. Well, and I was struck there, Patrick, by Steve Bannon saying, he basically arguing they kind of want this midterm election to be about impeachment, to be about Donald Trump. Yeah, the, the midterm election is clearly not about impeachment. It certainly is about Donald Trump uh, and his behavior. And Sarah's right that there is this general, and John made the point that there's this general attempt to destabilize institutions and to tear them down in order to protect this president. But I tell you, I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that independents mm -hmm. are, are um, saying plague on both your houses. I think that independents, based on what we've seen from the special elections thus far, are repulsed by all this behavior. It was interesting to note that the, the speaker uh, just said before that uh, we've started uh, with the Russian probe and now we've gone on to things like obstruction of justice. 
as if obstruction of justice is a minor issue for the president of the United States to be uh, involved in. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, if, you're but if you're a normal American and you're looking at continued economic growth, you're looking at uh, a system that you think is working, uh, and you say, oh, but over here is something that's, that's obscure and legal. Uh, I think that what Trump, look, I think the Republicans, if they're clever, are going to campaign on the economy working, which in fact is exactly what Bill Clinton did in 98. And it worked. I mean, the fact was people said in 98, and we'd lost seats in 98 because people said, if the issue is impeachment, if, if, if the Democrats yeah. decide they're the impeachment but, party, the, the they'll lose seats. But hold been on. Working so, and, and Republicans have been losing but, one special election after But two things I would point out. I mean, the Connor Lamb race showed us that, you know, Republicans thought they were going to be able to campaign on this tax bill that was a benefit to working people. Working people not buying that. Connor Lamb race showed us that. I think the other thing, though, the, the data that I've been seeing in the races that I'm working on is I will say this. I agree with the speaker. Generally, people feel like the economy, eh, it's okay. Oh, it's 3.8% unemployment. The people, though, who are leaving, the part of the reason is that some people have stopped looking for jobs. I think more importantly, though, the numbers that I do think matter to people, two things. Number one, wage growth is relatively stagnant. That's a problem because costs like health care costs are going up, and that is the president's fault. So I agree that I think you know Democrats can't let this become about impeachment. They've got to keep it focused on Republicans. Republicans control everything, and but what are they? They're not getting anything done because they're they're busy I, I fighting. I think most people agree that this is likely to be a tough election for Republicans in the midterms. Having said that, you know, in the last year, you've seen a net 20-point increase in the right direction in this country. And to the speaker's point, that is because of the economy, and in part because of Republican tax cuts. And that's where Republicans need to be campaigning. That's a, that's a great point, Sarah. And we've also seen the Democratic preference numbers shrinking uh, month to month as we get closer to the election. So, not to make a reference that my uh, Cleveland friends will uh, be pained about, but <laughs> Democrats can't act as if they're ahead and try to run out the clock here. They actually have to have oh, yes. a campaign. Twisting it into all Cavaliers fans, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> John, let me, let me let me ask you about about North Korea. We saw Tom Bosser talk about the president's preparation there uh, a bit. Clearly, the president eager to make this happen. He's been driving this for the last ten days. Wants to see this summit happen. Now it's clear, pretty clear, it's going to happen. When you when when you're reporting from the White House every day, what do you think the president's definition? of success is for next Tuesday? Well, it shifted a bit when he came out after his meeting with Kim Young-chol uh, at the White House, an extraordinary meeting, an extraordinary day. He was saying, this isn't all going to happen in one summit. I mean, earlier you got the sense that he was thinking, we're going to have this big summit and something big is coming. He is definitely kind of downplaying expectations a bit. But look, George, I, we've all covered summits, major diplomatic meetings. They, they are usually very predictable affairs. All the agreements are pre-cooked. Usually, pre-cooked. Everything is choreographed. This is entirely different, and it may just be that Donald Trump is the one human being uniquely positioned to get a deal with North Korea. It may just be. Now, look, the, the odds of success here are are remote, uh, but all the, the the traditional methods, as Bossert pointed out have been tried. We've seen Clinton fail. We saw Bush fail. We saw Obama fail. When President Trump came into office, this was the single biggest national security foreign policy challenge facing him. And we were, we had the Pentagon preparing military options. Now we're on the verge of a big summit. Who knows? Well, let me say, first of all, this is where the art of the deal comes in. I think they could that morning decide not to have the summit. Still could they could be in Singapore and go, that's it, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I think they could go into the meeting 
And, but both and, men want it. That's uh, pretty clear. What? Both individuals. Oh yeah. Look, I th I do think, and I, I give and I give Secretary Mattis a lot of credit here. I do think that Secretary Mattis got across the notion. Yeah, we could win, but the price in Seoul, Korea, the human cost. You could uh, win a military. We could campaign. win yes. a military yeah. campaign, but you really don't want one. And I think Mattis deserves a lot of credit. But let me also say one last thing, which is when you have Pompeo and you have Bolton and you have Mattis and you have Kelly. You have a very formidable team around the Although it appears you don't have Bolton anymore. Don't have Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are certainly formidable people who are around this issue, but they seem to all be at odds against one another. And poor Mike Pence has been thrown under the bus for the kind of rhetoric that he used that exacerbated tensions, which is another point I'd like to make, John. Sure, previous administrations didn't get us to a point of ultimate peace and detente here. Mm -hmm. But they didn't exacerbate the problem by coming into office talking about fire and fury. I think they did because if you look, if you look at where the nuclear program was, for instance, when Obama came into office, they had done a couple of nuclear tests, yeah. generally uh, weak tests. They they now have tested a bomb 15 times stronger than the one that went off in Hiroshima. They had a missile program that was mostly. Aren't we essentially saying now? Take this to Karen that if President Trump could get the deal that President Clinton got in 1994 or that President Bush got uh, in, in the early part of his term and it held, that would be a victory. That would be a victory, but here's the problem. Whatever happens on June 12th, it matters what happens on June 13th, 14th, and beyond. What we don't yet know, I mean, remember, in the, his, I mean, the president himself has set up, he says the Iran deal is horrible, awful, worst deal ever. So what does success for the North Korean deal look like? If that's the, the standard that he set, and most importantly, the verification mechanisms, the inspection mechanisms, we knew where the nukes were in Iran. We don't even know where the nukes, that's all the nukes right. are in North Korea. That's right. You, you can never forget that this is a regime that has a long history of lying and cheating uh, their way uh, into these uh, deals and negotiations. And they also announced a few days ago that Bashar al-Assad was heading uh, to meet with uh, the Supreme Leader to, you know, talk about weapons of mass destruction, among other things. And there's history there. And a lot of history there, too, as well. I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but thank you all very much. <laughs> Hi everyone, George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.